motherfucker. Oh, okay. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So is this the beginning? Uh, yeah, the beginning right before the end. It just came up, said this is being recorded. So I yep, figured that we're good out. to go. All right. Here we go. Yeah, I was saying it was, is, you know, it's a good week when uh, the FUDs run out and everybody's just talking about banana bread. Yeah, yeah. I mean, banana bread, you know. Yeah, that, that fucked you, up Twitter last night. <laughs> but, yeah, but usually there's either, you're either fighting some kind of FUD or some motherfucker like Hanky or whatever, or um, there's just some mad infighting you know, or you're attacking log scale or Udi or whatever, you know, this kind of infighting or, or shitcoiner fighting. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite funny when I woke up today and just was, everything was banana bread. It made a nice, uh, it's like you said, it's the transition that you start to see, like it almost feels like the bull run again while we're heading to all time high. Yeah. Yeah, like sure. that's what it was. Everybody was just like fucking around and doing funny yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah, and it's like no cares in the world, so you just start talking about fucking bread. <laughs> we get a little um, pump. It's banana bread. Yeah, but I actually I had this thing I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about credit, and I was like, why is nobody talking about um, credit lines anymore? Because I remember in I think it was like March. Because everybody back in, I think if you remember, like October after Sailor made his massive entry or his first billion dollar entry, everybody started talking about um, uh, taking out BTC collateralized loans, right? And living off them forever, right? Um, and they, everybody, I don't think anyone was doing it, but everyone was talking about what's the most sensible way to do this if we, you know, if we hit 100,000 or a million dollar Bitcoin. Um, and... I mean, obviously, that is Sailor's modus operandi, right? He's like, never sell your Bitcoin ever. And obviously, the upside of taking out a collateralized loan against your Bitcoin asset is you'll never have to pay tax because you're only ever going to live off of uh, 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 loans, right, which are, are tax free. You take out a loan, you don't pay tax on that loan. Um, and then around... I don't know, maybe it was February, March, April of this year, a lot of people are talking about, well, obviously everybody's powder had run dry. My powder ran dry in fucking November, obviously put all my savings in. And then people, I think, either started using their credit cards or, or like sailor had advised, you know, it's mortgage your house, sell your business, take out a loan, max out. I don't think he said max out your credit cards. Obviously that's dirty, bad debt to max out credit cards but a lot of the plebs were talking about um utilizing credit to um to acquire more bitcoin and essentially taking their net you say okay i'm all in on bitcoin that's my net worth is 100 percent. but then you take out a loan and suddenly you're 110 percent in or you're 120 percent of your net worth in or 150 percent of your net worth in on bitcoin um and, and a lot of people hadn't been talking about that I felt for about six months, which is maybe PTSD because of the Elon dump in May. And suddenly, you know, we took a 50% hit in like the space of a few days. Um, so I was going to bring that up with you, but then I saw Mike Alfred, who's 
a pretty annoying guy, but um, you know, he's obviously seems to be, a, you know, a, a Bitcoin maximalist. I don't know. Um, and he did this tweet about uh, mortgages saying, if you if you pay off your mortgage, it used to be a sort of badge of honor. And now, if you know, you know, not paying off your mortgage, you're essentially um, front running the banks by using their money to retain an asset if you own a house um, and using that mortgage as, as, as cheap debt or as good debt. And that's what I've always, that's what I thought was interesting since December, because I took out a large personal loan, which was um, unsecured. Uh, so if you, I'm sure you know what that means is that it means like when you buy a house, the debt is that loan of, you know, however much your house costs is secured by the asset, the underlying asset, which is your house. You don't pay back that loan, then uh, you, you forfeit your house to the bank. Whereas an unsecured loan, which if you have a good line of credit, you have a good credit uh, history, which I do, I'm of a certain age, I can take out, you know, a pretty sizable loan. And my feelings in terms of that, and you can tell me what you think about this use of, of, of credit or, or of, of good debt, um, is I'm essentially front running myself, right? So I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna borrow this amount of money from my future self, knowing that over the next four or five years, however long the loan is, I'm gonna be paying that back every month. But what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna use it today. And in my case, it was December, 2020. I bought Bitcoin with it. So I front run my future self, knowing that I could service that loan. And there are some people on Bitcoin Twitter who are like, stay away from credit, exit the system, fuck the banks, don't give them, don't pay them interest. I had a brief exchange with Link Sabi. I think you know him. He's like a, he's another Bitcoin maxi. I said I just stay away from all that shit. But in my mind, for me, that's that's utilizing that financial tool in order to front run myself and my and my my future potential earnings in order to acquire more Bitcoin. Yeah. Um... <sighs> So I guess like you're asking me like what my position is on that, on the idea of using credit, uh, whether it be secured or unsecured credit in order to buy Bitcoin. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm asking. I think using, I think using secured credit, like for example, against your house, like if you own multiple, real, uh, you know, properties, like multiple real estate and you have multiple mortgages or they're all mortgage, for example, um, I think pulling equity out of your own home in order to borrow more money against a mortgage to buy more Bitcoin, that is what Mike Alfred's tweet was. It was, he was saying, borrow money against your own home to buy more Bitcoin and let the Yeah, it's just regurgitated Michael Saylor. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, that's not something I want to do, but I have, uh, for better or for worse, because of what I've been investing in for the past 14 years, I have multiple real estate. So I, I have no qualms about pulling equity out of other properties in order to buy, acquire more Bitcoin, providing I am 100% confident I can service those loans. 
Um, but I, 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 I've seen a lot of young plebs, their only option is to utilize their credit card. I think credit card debt is toxic. It's like the worst possible kind of debt, worst possible kind of bad debt because they tie you in with a 0% interest rate. And then, you know, once you've maxed out your card, it goes up to 9% or 14% or 34%, whatever it is. And you essentially, you never pay off the loan. Whereas with the mortgage, you, you will pay off the loan if you see through that 25 year term. The thing with credit card debt is, you know, you take out a $10,000 credit card, you're, to service that loan is gonna be 200 bucks, but the interest is gonna be 200 bucks. So you're always gonna be paying 200 bucks a month and the interest is always gonna be 200 bucks a month. So you're never ever gonna decrease the uh, amount of debt. You're, you're essentially gonna have that debt forever until you decide to settle it. So yeah, that is what I would call bad debt, but good debt could be where you agree a term. So the, the, the loans I took out in December, they have a blended rate. Um, it's actually 6.942, which I'm not making that number up. That's <laughs> it's 69.420. That's the actual, uh, uh, which is quite high. 6.9% is quite high, but I can afford to service those debts. And let me tell you now, since December, so bear in mind that's the that's all the, the that interest is never it's not variable that's a fixed rate. I'm up two hundred and fifty eight point six percent on that investment I made into uh, Bitcoin in December. So for me that all that is is make, utilizing an economic or a financial instrument uh, to front run myself and my potential future earnings or my predicted future earnings um, to acquire more Bitcoin now that I. At that time, I was confident would the, the the growth rate of Bitcoin would outpace the interest rate on those loans, and it obviously it has 258% versus 6%. It's a no-brainer, right? Right. So, yeah. Um, that's. I don't. I don't use that. Um, I'm trying to trying to think of how to award this, right? Yeah. Uh, like yeah, I don't. I'm a I'm a I'm a non debt kind of guy. Yeah. Um, it's just, I guess honestly, I can say I don't know enough about uh, the financial, like the legacy financial system, in order to effectively use debt. Um, to invest. So for me, uh, I never acquired any debt in my life until this past March when I bought my house. Right. Um, I just, I never believed in credit cards. I never believed in, I was very much, uh, if you have it, buy it. And if you don't have it, you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I do own multiple properties. Um, I have considered selling my second property and putting probably half of the money into Bitcoin, um, yeah. which in a simple 
the way my brain likes to understand it makes more sense. If I believe in Bitcoin and I have real estate, uh, it makes more sense to me to sell that real estate, pay the taxes on that money, and then take what's left and buy Bitcoin with it than it does to pull a collateralized loan on it because that effectively that property is still costing me money and is still part of the system. Oh yeah, um, 100%, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um, and that's what I'm, you know, since, it, since December, I, you know, since we really, well, since we hit the all time high uh, again, it was $20,000 and then we've just been heading upwards, new all time high in uh, April. That's 100% what I have been trying to do. Right? I've been trying to get rid of real estate. I have commercial real estate in London, which I've been trying to get rid of. I had a sale agreed in uh, April, which was supposed to close in June. It would have been the perfect time because we literally lost 50% of the value. I would have got twice as many coins in June. And uh, the, uh, it was basically a friend of mine had, that I'd agreed to sell it to, decided to buy a Ferrari. And uh, then came to me, said, oh, I'm you know, $150,000 short. And I was like, well, is that anything to do with the fact you just bought a Ferrari? But he didn't make that connection in his head. Um, I don't know why. But that fell through and I've been trying to sell it since. So I 100% agree is slowly everyone is going to be exiting all these asset classes in order to buy more Bitcoin. Um, I'm doing it myself. I, had, I have a friend that uh, I just walked my dog with. Um, he's about 50. He's a stockbroker. Uh, I'm not, by the way, just I've never been involved in anything like that, but he's, he's a stockbroker who's worth about 10 million. And he said, he, he kind of said, he kind of gave me the spiel like, oh, it's too, I don't know how to get into it. You know, how, it's too difficult to buy in. And, and I gave him a very simple pitch of, you know, it, all you got to do, download an exchange, KYC and fund it then you can market by. Um, and he was like, oh, okay, is it, is it that simple? And I said, look, all you got to think, he's got two sons. I said, think about your sons when they become adult age, right? When they become men, imagine if the 200% CAGA, the compound annual growth rate continues for the next 10 years and your sons grow up. And it was like, honestly, a, a a light bulb went on behind his eyes and he was like, shit, you're fucking right. He's like, I own gold, I own farmland, I've got cash. But I said, look, if this goes up 200% every year, which it has done for the past 10 years, it's the best performing asset in the world. Imagine what kind of uh, legacy that is to leave to your sons when they reach manhood. And it was like a split second. He said, send me everything, send me everything. And that I think is how uh, adoption will spread because he said to me, obviously he's, you know, in the stockbroker circles, he said, all of the smartest investors I know, they're all investing in Bitcoin. And I did a double take. I was like, are you serious? Really? I mean, it's obviously not surprising to me 
but it's surprising that he would be in those circles and all of those equities and commodities traders, they're all putting their money into Bitcoin. So yeah, anyway, returning to your original point, I agree. It makes the most sense to exit these asset classes like fine art, gold, uh, real estate, um, and and you know move those move that wealth or those 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 funds into Bitcoin. It's what I'm doing and I have been doing uh, for you know over a year. Um, but the the original question was if you're in the position to utilize lines of credit from, albeit the legacy financial system, um, you know, what, what are the most sensible ways to do that? Because when I, I see a lot of the young plebs, they're like, oh yeah, I maxed out my credit card. That to me is the worst way to do it. An unsecured personal loan, if you can afford to service it, is 100% the best way to do it because you're just front running yourself. Yeah, I mean, for me, life, uh and me and top roller really uh kind of align on this thought that like for me life is all about making it as easy as possible um yeah. like on myself yeah so uh just to kind of like go back even a little further to like what mike alfred was talking about um which again I'm happy to say uh, it's just regurgitated. Michael Saylor yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. tried to make it look like he has some kind of <laughs> cohesive thought. Yeah. He's a fucking clown. Yeah. Um, but I am very much pro paying off your house. Um, very much pro like owning your, the, the real estate that you own, owning it outright. Because um, yeah. I, I know we like to talk about in Bitcoin that this, you know, about hyper Bitcoinization and it's, I don't want it to come off as I don't believe that that is the end game. Right. Because I do. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to live to see it. Right, right, right. So in the meantime, I think more of what you're going to see is more of a hybridization between the legacy system and the inevitability of Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, it makes more sense to me to have no debt ties to the legacy system because uh, I feel that'll translate into more freedom with how I want to send you I'm also not a collateral Yo, you started breaking up again there pretty badly. Yeah, yo, I've lost you now, dude. Yeah, I can't hear you again, dude. Elsie? I can't hear you, dude. I think it's your, like your RAM or something. It's like, yeah, I'm getting nothing now. There we go. All right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, what, one thing that I would um, sort of highlight is as Bitcoiners, obviously, we have this very clear distinction between low time preference and high time preference. And we've kind of drawn a line in the sand there. But I think also what's that, what that line in the sand has done uh, is it's made a distinction between 
um, I, I guess you could describe it as like uh, uh, immediate consumption. For example, if your high time preference, you get a credit card approved, you've got $5,000 or $10,000, whatever. You're like, great, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy some fucking Gucci. I'm going to go for uh, like a champagne nightclub evening and the money's gone, right? It's spent in, in one uh, uh, evening. But as a Bitcoiner, if you're low time preference and you have access not to credit card debt, but to some form of line of credit that you know that interest rate is going to be um, a multiples uh, lower than, than what you predict the growth rate of Bitcoin will be. Suddenly you have this weird crossover between um, a low time preference Bitcoiner with access to a line of credit than a high time preference fiat mindset with an access to a line of bad debt. So I think that's where, and I'm with you, dude, I've always been quite risk averse like you. I've always invested in real estate, um, you know, for the past 15 years until I got into Bitcoin three years ago and I finally went you know, all in uh, last year. So I agree with you. There is that you are buying that peace of mind. Um, but also I think there is a new, uh, there is a new kind of mindset that has, that has, that has formed in terms of uh, the, um, uh, the, the perspective on credit with Bitcoiners, because you're not using it to buy a Porsche, you're not using it to buy Gucci sneakers, you're not using it to buy champagne at the fucking in Vegas, right? You're using it to stack sats and front run yourself on a potentially low interest rate. But um, look, I'm not, I'm not giving financial advice. I'm I just wanted to sh to talk about this that. is financial advice from Harsky yeah, yeah. And the rest <laughs> of the world. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my financial advice, but. I think the, the key thing to any young plebs is don't take out credit card debt. That's the shit that like you never get out of that until you get a fucking windfall and you get $10,000 hits your account. Most of us, we're going to, we're going to dump that into, into Bitcoin. So until you actually get a windfall where you can afford to pay off the whole of your credit card debt, it's not worth taking out credit card debt. A, a, a personal loan is, is, is a much safer and, 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 you know, uh, cost-effective way of 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 um, abusing the legacy financial system and credit lines. But you know, if if you don't agree with credit, then it, all that does really is extends your low time preference. It just adds, you know, the, the three or four years or five or ten years or you know, if we go I, hyperbolic, then it, it, it adds, you know. Um, you know, if we're going to hyper-Bitcoinization, might add a hundred years to your time preference, but... Um... So I... My problem with... And I'm going to take this back to people because I love talking shit about people. So my problem with shit like what Mike Alfred is saying and uh, even the stuff that Sailor was big on, uh, like, you know, end of Q4 last year. Yeah. Um, is that unless you are quite financially savvy, yeah. Um, like you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, especially oh. now with everything that's changed, right? So you yeah. can get yourself in a lot of trouble because 
a lot of younger plebs will think, okay, like I can get approved for a personal loan. Yeah. I'll take this personal loan. I'll buy Bitcoin with it. And then when Bitcoin goes up, the inevitable amount, it's going to go up. Say it goes up for easy numbers. Say it goes up 200%. Yeah. So I'm going to take my original 100% and just pay off that loan. And then I'll have that amount in Bitcoin that was essentially free, right? Sure. The problem is everything that's changed since last year, there's a whole lot of like tax issues that come into that. Oh, like yeah. you're creating all these other bills by doing that. Um, yeah. yeah. And you can get yourself in a lot of like compromised situations doing that. You can lose, if you have things to your name, you can lose things. You can end up with liens on property. You can, you know, th- things like that it can snowball really quickly uh like financial ruin can snowball really quickly so for yeah, me it's dude, just I, yeah i'm with you dude like if you don't know what you're doing and if i had been in my 20s or my 30s then yeah fuck i'm well it may be in my 20s yeah I, and i was we were on today and i was in my 20s and i was a bitcoiner i'm sure i i would have got wrecked somehow especially if i'd fucked around with with that but um i know what i'm doing dude i've taken out millions of dollars in loan corporate loans for my business and paid them back and navigated all of that private financier and european swiss banks all that shit i know what i'm doing in terms of debt and for me at my stage in life it's like it's just a tool and it's an instrument that i can utilize to front run my future earnings that's that's so that's all i'm doing but I thought it was and I think in- it makes 100% sense for somebody like you. You know what I mean? Like somebody who has that experience, I think that's a great thing. I, the reason I was saying that is I just think it's a bad look when somebody like Mike Alfred gets on a spaces and starts talking like that because you need to consider your audience. Yeah, yeah, totally. If you got like some 28-year-old dude who's just bought a fucking apartment with his new wife and his one-year-old baby and he he does a fucking uh, equity release on that apartment and then Bitcoin goes down 50%. Dude is fucked, man. Like that shit can, that can drive people to suicide, man. That, you know, if you're sitting on the Bitcoin and you know that asset is going to appreciate over, uh, you know, the next year or two years by the next halving, then great. And you can ride that through. Great. This is what all my friends who are like stockbrokers and fucking traders that it's like a light goes on. They say, oh, so all you have to do is ride out the volatility. I'm like, yeah, that's all you have to do is hodl. We call it hodling. Um, and this light comes on. But a lot of people in the fiat mindset, they don't understand that. And that's what I was talking about. That line in the sand is it's crossing over from a high time preference to low time preference, crossing over from fiat mindset to a Bitcoin standard mindset. Um, but I totally agree with you, dude. I'm, I'm with you for the, but this is why I wanted to bring it up is there's a lot of young plebs who are saying, well, I'm going to max out my credit card, da, da, da. It's like, you've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know what bad debt is. You've got to know what good debt is. And you've got to know how to utilize these things to your advantage, um, rather than just getting raped by them. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's, yeah. And I'm glad that we talked about it because that's the, the, clarification that i don't think exists uh at least like on bitcoin twitter like i said you start having conversations like that in a spaces that's public yeah 
um, the, these, these guys that come from the fiat system tend to forget that, especially on something like spaces, it's not a podcast say where whoever listens to it is going to hear the first half where you tell them, Hey, you need to know what the fuck you're doing before you do this. And then go into describing yeah. it. Yeah. You can have a noob walk in the room and you're halfway through and he's like, Holy shit, this is a great idea. Like you said, not knowing like, you know, if he's got other things in his life, finances are something that 90% of the population don't have a fucking clue about. Yeah. Cause they don't teach that shit in school. Right. And it's I mean, not, even uh, when I, I've had, been a great numbers guy my whole life, yeah. Uh, you know, I've run businesses my whole adult life and I, I'm really, really good with numbers. But as far as actual finances, I had zero concept of like actual like financial health. Right. Um, like right. until my wife got involved with my businesses and was like, hey, this is how it <laughs> needs to happen. Great. Yeah. Awesome. It doesn't make me any less alpha because my wife does my books. Like yeah, yeah, she's yeah. fucking smart. It doesn't make her dumb because she's a woman. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when Clubhouse was a thing and I, I deleted it after months, but I don't know, it was February or March or something. And you go on, you hear American Hoddle and British Hoddle. And I think I joined a chat like one time and it was with British Hoddle and I was like, listen, it was, it, and it was just before I uh, decided to sell that commercial real estate that I've got in London and, and British Hoddle was like, uh, he was like, sell it, put it all in Bitcoin, sell your house as well, remortgage your house. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on, mate, hold on, hold on. I own my house, I've got no mortgage on it. And <laughs> that provides me with the peace of mind that, that I want for me and my wife and my family and my future children, right? So chill out. It's like, no, no, no. What I've done with all my clients um, is we've taken all of their property portfolio and we've, we've drawn out an equity of 10% and put it all into Bitcoin. And as we know now, you know, we know what we know now about that dude. Um, For me, I was just like, yeah, fuck this shit. I'm not going on clubhouse again. But like you say, a lot of young dudes, a lot of young plebs could be assuaged by that and, and, and um, persuaded by that to do things that maybe they shouldn't do that he is in a position to do because he comes from a, a, a real estate investment family, right? And, and Yeah, and I think like you have people like, I mean, American Hoddle is, in my opinion, the perfect example of... But I was talking about British Hoddle, by the way, you know. That, yeah, right? yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but American Hoddle is the perfect example of like why that shit, how that shit doesn't play out well for the people involved or for the person saying it. Because I mean, right. he was like the arguably the Bitcoin maximalist Twitter yeah. persona. Yeah. You know, we went to all time highs and he was talking about he locking your house and, you know, selling your car. And he did. He sold and, his truck. He sold his motorbike. He's driving around yeah, and, in a van. And we retracted and people got fucking wrecked. And all of a sudden he decided he had a Twitter addiction and needed to take a break from Twitter. He didn't have a Twitter addiction. He felt like a fucking dickhead because he realized, yo, you just told people who are nine to fivers to sell their vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To take out a HELOC on their house. And now those people are looking at you like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it's cool for him. Because the dude's worth millions of dollars. Yeah. Like, who yeah. cares if he sells an F-150? The dude's worth a couple million dollars. 
yeah, yeah. Like he's not losing any sleep. You know what I mean? But for the average person, like you were saying, like that shit's not okay. Like if I went out and fucking did that, I I've showed a couple of people a picture of the truck that I have. I have like a 2015 3,500 with a utility body on it. It's probably a $25,000 truck. Right. But people are like, Oh, like, Oh, you show Bitcoin for owning that. I'm like, that fucking thing is my lifeline. That's what makes me my money. Yeah. Yeah. So if I sell that and buy a uh, 95 that, so, yeah. you know, that can do the same thing when that breaks, I'm fucked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I have a reliable vehicle. Why would I sell my reliable vehicle to like to stack one? That's what I mean when I say like making life as easy as possible, right? Like yeah, you said, no, you own your house you, outright. You've got a risk appetite line drawn in the sand and selling your truck that is your lifeline to your um, uh, you, you earning a living. You're not going to cross that line and say, oh, I'm going to risk that your risk appetite stops at that line. And I think, yeah, a lot of that talk of, you know, drive a minivan or drive a fucking moped and sell all your shit because we got, we, we're never going to stop going up. Yeah, that's the dangerous shit that makes the people that can't afford to cross that line for their livelihoods cross that line and get wrecked. Um, yeah, and it's fucking dangerous. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people say, oh, like we stress personal responsibility and that's all good and well. And, I, you know, I absolutely believe that, but it doesn't give you the right to go out and say, hey, you know, it's the equivalent of saying, hey, it's personal responsibility. You shouldn't be that dumb, but you know, whatever, you can jump off a building and live. Like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. give you the right to go out and say stupid shit like that because you're going to have some people that <laughs> fucking listen to you, especially when you're somebody with thousands of followers yeah, and you're yeah. on all these highly regarded uh, podcasts and stuff and people are, you know, hearing you over and over again and you sound really intelligent when you talk about the particulars and the financials of Bitcoin you can't make the shift from that into saying some stupid fucking suggestion and then a shift back into sensible talking because not everybody's going to be able to differentiate. No, you, you got to disappear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, have, you have to decide to spend time with your family. But for sure, man, like uh, I, all I would say is if you take what I've said as financial advice, my caveat is know what the fuck you're doing. I've spent 25 years uh, raising funds. I'm not in finance, but I, I've spent 25 years raising money um, in my line of business. And I know what I'm doing in terms of financial instruments and, and legacy uh, credit lines. It's like only tread into that if you have experience with it and, and the best way to get experience in it is, is through your business. That is something that is essentially expendable and, and your personal, your family uh, security, that's not expendable. It just isn't, you, you know, you, you have to, you have to um, uh, safeguard that, um, that, uh, that safety, safeguard that with your life. Um, yes. But anyway, see, but I mean, like that, it, there's another, I mean, in terms of, of going all in, I think, you know, I, March, 2020, I'd been stacking for a couple of years and um, like, I got the shit scared out of me when we started the lockdowns and you start seeing queues outside of the banks. I thought there's going to be a, a bank run. 
And I thought we we're going to have bail-ins again, like 2008. And then I started thinking, oh, we're going to have bail-ins like Cyprus had, where they just started raping people's bank accounts to support the central bank or the, the commercial banks. So that is when I started my um, exodus to Bitcoin and my exodus from uh, the financial system. It took me a few months of, of basically just, just balls <laughs> to get everything across. And as I said to you in December, that's when I ran out of powder and I, I took out multiple uh, personal loans to go, you know, 150% of my net worth in. But this year, all I've had is my fiat mining, right? My, my job, my fiat job, uh, the passive income that I have. Um, and I've actually, I've, I've actually had a really good year in terms of stacking because I heard a podcast with Adam Back um, putting aside to one minute whether he's fucking Satoshi or not and he's worth, you know, $40 billion or not. Who knows? No one can know. And it's good that we don't know. Um, but he, somebody asked him on this podcast, they said, how do you survive day to day if you're purely a hodler, right? And I, if you're a fan of Francis Pouliot, um, he says, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, right, you have to spend Bitcoin, you have to, you have to spend your Bitcoin because you have no involvement with fiat, right? So you have to spend your Bitcoin. Um, and I mean, Adam back for, for what I know, he has mining companies. I mean, I'm sure he has a pretty good income, but what his answer was, he said was that um, he has a dollar rotation account, which for him means uh, having your cold storage Bitcoin, that's safe, you never touch it, that's your stack. And every time, so for me, what I've been doing since January is every time I get a, a nice chunk of money, I put it straight to cold storage and um, I add it to my stack, right? But every time I get a little bit of passive income that will fund my, me buying food or petrol or paying my bills, um, I keep that on an exchange and it goes straight. So essentially I never have money in my bank account and I, I've done this since January and apart from when we had May was the Elon dump, uh, that it didn't work out for me. Um, but that, that's essentially what I've been doing for the past nine months is putting all of my essentially free cash flow, my float into Bitcoin, holding it there. And what this has done is it's forced a uh, a very low time preference uh, mindset onto me because I've got no money in the bank at all. And if I want to, um, so for example, like last month, um, I've seen what's happening with supply chains. I decided to go out and buy a freezer, right? A big chest freezer. It cost me 200 bucks. And I decided to fill it with um, grass fed uh, ribeye steaks. And I've got, a, I bought about 200 <laughs> ribeye steaks from a, a local farm um, not local to London but like a, a rural farm they got delivered to me and I so what I did there was I took some sats off the exchange converted them back to pounds and I invested in that but 
all the things where you would usually think, well, there's money in my bank, I can spend it on this, or we can go out for dinner, or da 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 da. For me, that was a low time preference um, decision where I, I thought, actually, this is worse the investment to buy a big chest freezer and fill it with fucking meat, grass fed beef for the winter. You know, because as you know, they're like, they're coming for us, dude. Like, this, they're, they're coming for all of the attack vectors. And you see it right now, you're in America. Have you seen that map of, of the shipping containers on the coast, all of the east and west coast of America? Yeah, my mother is uh, actually is in customs, like not in customs, but she works for an import export business. Right. So there, there is an attack. You know, if you attack the supply chains, you're going to reduce the supply. If the demand stays the same, the price goes up, right? It's quite simple. That's how you get inflation. It's not some magical shit uh, where the central bank controls it. If the central bank prints money and they print new notes and they buy uh, bonds of that, then yeah, you get inflation as well. But um, my original point was uh, uh, Adam Beck's little uh, theory there of, of a dollar rotation account. It has worked really well for me which is that every time I get any amount of money, a big amount, a small amount, I, I, I sweep it into the exchange, I buy Bitcoin and I hold it there. And because I don't have any money in my bank, it forces me to be really low time preference with every type of expenditure that I want to make. Um, and, and essentially for the last nine months, I've, I've really just been living on, on, on uh, essential things that, that me and my family really, really need. Um, and when I'm in, when I am desperate and I have to pay my gas bill or my electric bill, what I do is I say, well, how's the price? What, how's the performance? Am I down since I swept those, uh, that, that cash in, into Bitcoin? If I'm down, I say, fuck you, I'm not paying my bill. And then what happens? I leave it another month and my property tax or my electric bill, they start sending me shitty letters this time. They're all in red. With a big font, I say, okay, I'll wait another month and then I pay it. Um, but for, I don't know if this is me giving irresponsible financial advice, but for me, it's helped me acquire actually um, really happy with the amount of sats I've acquired this year by doing this. Maybe you think I'm irresponsible, I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I. So the way I operate is uh, I do still have a checking account. Yeah. Uh, my checking account holds one month worth of bills. Okay. Yeah. So it holds one mortgage payment, one electricity bill payment, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, that's all I keep in the bank. Anything that's above that goes into Bitcoin. Um. Yeah, I mean, so it's similar to me. I think I've got probably a, a higher risk appetite than you. I mean, dude, my friends think I'm fucking crazy. Like, I tell them, I told them last, I, I haven't, honestly, I haven't talked about Bitcoin with my friends since like February, but I told them I was all in. They're like, dude, you're crazy. This is fucking tulips. And slowly over time, then you start to get the text coming back in, like, oh, it, 
well, then you get the text like, oh, you, you got a 55% drop. Like the, the bubble has burst. Oh, and then it yeah. starts to come back up again. Oh, uh, so what uh, exchanges do you recommend? Um, I'm like, dude, don't ask me. Just get some fucking, what is stopping you buying a hundred pounds worth of Bitcoin? Nothing is stopping you. Nothing is stopping anyone in this whole fucking country from buying a hundred pounds worth of Bitcoin. Unless you're really, really, really desperate, just get some fucking skin in the game, you know, and then have an opinion on it, right? Then have an opinion on it. If you buy $50 worth of Bitcoin, then you can have an opinion on it. Don't trash talk it. If you've got zero and you watch it go up 5x, 10x, 20x, that's your opinion is not valid unless you've got some skin in the game. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. It's the same thing with people that, and it was big for a while, uh, at least on Clubhouse it was, um, where people would say like, oh, it's stupid to buy a house, right? Just rent. Yeah. I'm like, I don't agree with you. I don't. Like I, the house that I live in currently, I rented before I bought. I paid $75 more a month to rent my house than I do to my mortgage payment. Exactly. Not only that, now that I make a mortgage payment, I can do whatever the fuck I want exactly. on my property and exactly. to my house. And I, I try and help a lot of my friends who are not in real estate and they're out there paying, uh, you know, 2,500 bucks a month on rent and they've got savings in the bank and that's melting through inflation. People don't understand inflation that, that their savings in the bank is melting and they don't understand basic shit like the government can print money. They don't understand basic shit like we are not on a gold standard anymore. We haven't been since 1971. People don't know that. My own sister didn't know that. She's 47 years old. She, you know, it's like because they don't teach you this shit in school because they don't want you to participate in asset ownership. They don't want you to participate in benefiting from asset growth. They want you to be a fiat slave. They want you to be a debt slave. They want you to be a tax slave, right? So yeah, I, I, I agree, I agree. I have to say though that um, there is, so kind of, I guess it's kind of the way, the same way you um, do your, your thing with Bitcoin and not having uh, say like fiat on hand, um, yeah you know, and then pulling out of that if you need the money. Um, I kind of do the same thing, except I do it with mining. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put, if I have extra money, um, usually if I have extra money, the extra money goes into Bitcoin and then I'll take it from Bitcoin and spend it on miners, uh, mostly because I get a discount for paying in Bitcoin. Um, but, I guess it's some kind of weird grip still on something physical. Uh, Cause I know if everything goes to shit, I can make one post online that I have a miner for sale. Like I did it two weeks yeah. ago. I needed money. Okay. I put a post up and like, I sold three miners in a day. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like instantly I had, you know, almost $2,000 in fiat. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess that's kind of how, like, that's like my version of it. Like I have way more miners than I can plug in currently. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, dude, I would, I would be there with you. Like, you know, we'd probably set up a fucking mining business together with Jeremy. Je- you know, Jeremy can't mine. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jeremy can mine. It's Nick can't mine is the other one. Uh, Jeremy sent me this whole proposal of, of his liquid immersion cooling, um, essentially home mining system. I think they're S19s. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board. And then I looked up my my electric prices in the UK and it was like 26, 27 cents. And he was like, that's fucking crazy. I think I said to you last time, you paid like five, six, seven cents, whatever it is. Dude, it's mental in England. You know what happened to me yesterday? My energy provider sent me an email. So about a week ago, I don't know if you know, we've got an energy crisis in uh, for the uh, natural gas in, in England. Yep. Um, or in Europe, sorry. Um, so the prices are up like 250, 300%. So they sent me a, an email like a week ago saying, we're not going out of business. You can rest assured. I was like, okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then yesterday they sent me an email saying, oh, we're putting our prices up because you're not on a fixed tariff. I looked at the price. They didn't tell me how much they're putting the prices up, but then I calculated what it was. It's 34 point something percent. And this is in one month. So that's what my November prices will be. I'm going to switch out to another provider before then. But 34% in one month. And then what's going to happen in December if, if gas natural gas prices keep going up? Dude, so I, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm because that will mean I'm at 34, 35 cents per kWh. It's crazy. I couldn't. I couldn't. Never, I couldn't mine anything with that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, the so the uh, I guess the long, the short, long game for me. Um, I have that second property up in Maine. Um, so the the play for me comes spring of next year. I want to wait till next calendar year. Uh, I'm gonna sell that, and I'm gonna buy some lands in west virginia okay um so you can buy in west virginia you can buy a hundred acres with a private natural gas well on it for about a hundred grand whoa what the fuck you serious Um, yeah so that is that's my short long game is in the spring i'm gonna sell that property in maine i could probably sell that property at least in current uh market i can sell that property for about seventy thousand. um so i'm gonna buy that i'm gonna buy a piece of property in west virginia with a private well on it and um i'm gonna tap into that and i'm gonna mine for free wow that's (laughs) i think that's the play fuck you (laughs) i just i feel like that's the play i feel like you're never gonna beat um you're never gonna beat the grid they yeah, can, yeah. Like you said they can just send you a letter and all of a sudden your profitable mining outfit that you've spent fifty thousand dollars building is no longer exactly. profitable. yeah that's literally so, how i got an email and they're like your, your price is going up i looked at the prices 34 and change percent crazy and then what's going to happen in december i don't know 100 percent 150 percent maybe exactly Fuck. And I can turn around and buy that piece of property, and then I can buy a hash hut from Upstream Data for fifteen grand. Right, right. 
and I can cram 90 kilowatts worth of miners into a $15,000 shack that comes with a generator. Yeah. And plug into my well and my power is free. That's fucking awesome, dude. But this is why, I mean, look, I think as Bitcoiners, we all, we all kind of um, circle very similar principles and beliefs. We differ on some, but um, we differ on this one, we differ on that one, but really, um, I think what you're talking about, it's like that's self-sovereignty, it's self-sufficiency, that's the citadel. Um, and, and, and we all, I don't think there's any Bitcoiners that don't want their own citadel, right? And whether you're talking, I think what I mentioned last time is the citadel is, it's in your mind, but also we all have that end goal of physically uh, building that citadel, um, which really can just be as simple as, as a community where it's like my stockbroker friend, right? He said to me, um, you know, it, 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 he literally went from like one in one minute, he went from, oh, it's too complicated. I, I, I don't want to get into Bitcoin. Um, I don't understand it. And within a minute of me saying how simple it was to buy and then saying, think about your sons. Your son, they're 10 and they're 14. Think about when they reach manhood, what an amazing trust fund, what an amazing legacy that is, even just to have one Bitcoin. Even you, 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 all you got to do, you'll spend 35,000 pounds today. It's not much money, right? And a light came on his head and immediately he was like, can I be a part of this? Can I be, can I join your monetary network? Can I join your energy network? Can I join Bitcoin? And actually what all these, what all Bitcoiners are doing, and there's very, very uh, prominent um, examples like uh, Ben Gunn, who's out in Wales with his forest land, he's felling trees, he's got a timber business um, and he's been doing it all on his own throughout lockdown. He, there was a great uh, podcast uh, today that came out, which I listened to. Same obviously with Joel, Untapped Growth, building this uh, uh, renewable, um, uh, regenerative uh, farming um, network uh, with his cattle. Suddenly, when the cities get really fucking shit and the financial system really fucking has its death throes, you're gonna get people coming up to you in Rhode Island saying, hey, I see, can I be part of your community? <laughs> can I add some value here? It's not gonna be like a fucking zombie apocalypse. That's what it's gonna be like, Elsie. It's gonna be like dudes coming up to you saying, uh, knock, knock, hi, I don't have any Bitcoin, but." Can I come in? Can I, I've exited the financial system. Can I be part of your community? That's what a fucking citadel is. That is the true exiting of the system. I saw this great tweet. Uh, some dude was like, the Amish, they gave us the blueprint for life and we ignored it. Yeah. He was right. 100%. We, it. We, we called them fucking freaks, right? laughed at them in their little carts with the horses. Did they have the fucking blueprint for a happy life? You know, and uh, right or not? I don't know. Oh yeah, and we all, yeah. I think to one degree or another, 
uh, Bitcoiners are looking for some version of what they have. Yeah, exactly. And we, we, we all agree on the same things, right? Which is, okay, we, we don't all agree on the same things, but we, there are a lot of things that as Bitcoiners, we are all gravitate to many of them, right? And this is philosophy, it's, it's politics, it's libertarianism, it's economics, it's diet, it's family values, it's morals, it's traditions, it's strength, bodily strength, defense, uh, the right to bear arms, it's freedom, homeschooling, homesteading, like, you know, all these things are the topics and beliefs that surround the fulcrum of, of, of what it means to be a Bitcoiner. Um, and actually at the center of that fulcrum um, is truth, because it's a truth machine. Right, Bitcoin is a fucking truth machine. It ex it expunges the liars and the bullshitters. It expunges lies. It expunges fud. It casts that shit out because we uh, embrace toxicity as a necessity to uh, cleanse. It's, it's it's an immune system. Toxicity is the immune system and it cleanses uh, uh, the community of, of bullshit. It cleanses the community of lies. It cleanses the community of charlatans. Um, and that is why it's necessary. So all this shit we saw over the last two weeks about how toxicity is, um, well, it's toxic. It needs to be, uh, uh, what, what did he say? And it, kick them out? That was his hashtag, kick them out. What are you gonna yeah, kick us out of, Udi? What are you going to You're gonna kick us out of Twitter? Are you going to kick us off the blockchain? Are you going to kick us out of the, the Bitcoin ledger? Well, like, what are you going to kick us out of, dude? Or, you, or do you want to meet up in person and kick us out? Let's see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> right? You can't kick us out, dude. We're the ones that kick you out because we expunge the charlatans and the liars and the LARPers and the fucking trolls. That's all Udi is. He's a fucking troll. Yeah. And it's, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people like to point fingers and be like, oh, well, you know, I had it out with uh, David Hoffman the other day. I don't know if yeah. you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's just like, oh, it's, it's only this one corner of Twitter that nobody pays attention to because everybody there is crazy. Okay. I'm like, dude... <laughs> I, you know, because uh, I said, you know, Ethereum's a centralized scam, though. Like, and he, that's when he started in on me. And I'm like, dude, he's like, I've been hearing this forever. I'm like, if you're still hearing it, it may not be <laughs> everybody else. <laughs> like, it might be you. <laughs> just the thought. He's yeah, like, no, yeah. it's just this one corner of Twitter that nobody listens to because they're crazy. And I'm, I'm like, you, you have extremely intelligent people that surround themselves with this corner of Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's a reason for that. <laughs> they do that because this is where the signal is. Yeah. The signal is here. The signal is not everywhere else where people are saying, Oh, Bitcoin, you know, even though they may be saying, Oh, Bitcoin's great, but you know, check out these NFTs. They may be the future. Like you don't get that on Bitcoin Twitter because 
we'll tell you to get fucked. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't want, they want this like utopian, everybody, you know, there's a, a place for everybody and everybody has their place. And no, no, no. <laughs> No. no, there isn't. There's right. one place, and that is all there is. Everything else, is, you know, Coinicarus says it the best, and when he he says everything else is vaporware, like yeah. that's that's all it is. It's just it's just lies and hopes and dreams, and that's nice, but it's never gonna go anywhere. But it's never gonna go anywhere. Bitcoin, as a truce machine, is so immutable and indefatigable it's uh that nothing can compete with bitcoin as a truth machine right and what i've seen um over i don't know maybe a year maybe a month maybe six months is actually more recently is a lot of bitcoiners uh coming to realizations because they're part of this community or this energy network, this monetary network that is the truth machine of, uh, hold on, what else is a lie? We know obviously shit coins are a lie and we know um, that the fear, uh, um, you know, fractional reserve banking and um, uh, the, the quantitative easing uh, legacy financial system is a lie. Most Bitcoiners, I think, maybe apart from Peter McCormack, understand that COVID was a lie. It was a false flag uh, rolled out and orchestrated in order to um, bring in the, 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 the Great Reset, right? Um, but through, I think, this realization that, that we're being lied to, now have we been lied to before brought me to the thought that uh so winston churchill said after world war ii um the in fact i don't even know if it, i think it was his quote he said the 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 victor writes the history right that was his quote yeah 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 so he he said the the victor writes the history um and in fact uh i don't know if you've read it but he wrote the um the history of world war ii i think that was the name of it but it was a six or seven volume huge history book um i've read some of it i haven't read all of it but it was written by winston churchill and that is the definitive history of world war ii and he was the victor of world war ii um i mean you know you, you can include eisenhower and and possibly Stalin if you fancy it and um uh, but yeah there's this it goes back to the simple example right of the, or the simplest example that I like which is actually in line with the World War II thing is that a very unpopular opinion which isn't even an opinion it's fact is that Adolf Hitler was a phenomenal public speaker yeah. Phenomenal. And what he did up until the point where he started going genocide yeah. was probably the best thing that was ever done for Germany. He put the German people first. 
he did all these things to help Germany stand on its own two feet again after it had gotten raped by the central banks. They were raped by the central banks. They were raped by usury. And he said, I want this out of my country. I want to put German people first. And I don't want money lending. I don't want usury. Um, I think, look, before we get too deep into that and become controversial, my point was, how much do we know of what was real about World War II was real? How much do we know about World War I was real of what we've been told? If the victors write the history, right? How many great resets have there been before? We don't know. Maybe there has never been a great reset. Maybe there's been three or four or two. Do you know that? I don't know that. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. right. So if we're living through a great reset now, how much of the history of what is happening now of will, will everything that Donald Trump ever said be erased? Will everything that anti-vaxxers ever said be erased? Will everything that uh, uh, freedom-loving, conservative American patriots be erased? Maybe well, I think the will. obvious if, answer is yes. Yeah, if, if they're successful. So that's, that's what I think was interesting of... I've seen a lot of little pockets of Bitcoiners, you know, jumping up saying, okay, COVID, that's a hoax, great reset. This is, you know, well, not a hoax, but it's, it's real. The great reset is real. It's not a hoax, right? Inflation, it's real. It's theft, right? Um, climate crisis, you know, is there, is there really a climate crisis or is all this shit engineered so that we then enter this new uh economic system where we have to pay carbon taxes and green taxes to these parasitic elites you know um is there really the whole climate crisis is just to widen the gap between the elites and the plebs that is all the climate crisis achieves if it plays out the way that they want it to play out which is shutting down all but all of fossil fuel production and use, especially as it pertains to the production of energy and switch to these quote unquote renewables, which are really just unreliables. The, all the, the entire point of that is to widen the gap between the people who have and the people who do not have, because they're gonna put such a premium on, on energy that only the upper class is going to be able to live the way that the average person can live now. And you're going to live in a world where you don't have power at nighttime. Like, Oh, the sun's down. Oh, the wind's not blowing. Like, Oh, there's a, there's an energy restriction just the way that you see. um, Like, I don't know if you have it in England, but in America, we have certain areas where they'll be on public water and they'll have, like a, a water shortage, they'll call it. So oh, we got a water shortage. Uh, you can only, you're only allowed to use X amount of water for X amount of time. Yeah. Um, like yeah, all yeah. of that, I'm in the water industry. That's all a farce. Right. That right. doesn't really exist. There's so much okay. fresh water. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that should never be a thing. But they're going to do the same thing with energy. They're going to create yeah, yeah. this such a large gap that it makes it almost impossible for the average person to live a life where you don't have to consider every time you flip a switch. 
Yeah, but dude, they're doing it very, very, they're, they're doing it very aggressively, almost militarily now, right? In, in England, here in the UK right now, we have a petrol shortage, okay? So there's a petrol, or, or actually I'll rephrase that, it's a petrol crisis, okay? We don't have a shortage of petrol. We will never have a shortage of petrol because petrol's never running out. Look up the fossil fuel hoax. There's, you know, petrol is the water of the earth. It will never run out. That's what I believe. If you want to look into that conspiracy, you can, but we won't dwell on it here. What they're describing it as is a petrol crisis. And that's because there's no trucks to bring the petrol to the gas stations. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring in the military to drive the trucks, to deliver the petrol so that people can fill up their cars. So it's the military, like in New York, it's the militari militarization of uh, the healthcare industry in New York. Yep. Hang on, I've, got to, I've got to turn the oven off because it's uh, the, the goulash is uh, beeping. Two seconds, two seconds. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like fucking Melbourne, where the police are being replaced by uh, uh, military there. New York, the healthcare workers have all been fired. They're being replaced by uh, National Guard. In the UK, you've got all of the uh, trucking industry being replaced by the uh, British Army. I think what this is, is they're normalizing military troops on the streets. It's essentially communism. So you're essentially saying, well, all of these uh, means of production and means of uh, all of the supply chains are being controlled or not even controlled, but seized by the government, normalizing military presence on street corners until the point where we're at full-blown communism and uh, the, the government controls everything. And we look like China or we look like North Korea in America or in, in, in the United Kingdom or in France or. Absolutely. And I think the, one of the most overlooked, um, one of the most overlooked things when it comes to sovereignty, uh, like I was talking about before, you know, my plan is I, I really think one of the most overlooked things is having an independent sovereign access to um, a source of energy. Like if I have a piece of property that has a natural gas well on it, you know, the mining thing is nice. Uh, yeah. and it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a great perk. It's a luxury. But, yeah. But you can't discount the much more important aspect of that, which is I can power my home. Yeah. I can have a right. pickup truck that has a natural gas motor in it. Yeah, yeah. I can run a vehicle without relying on a gas supply chain. There's yeah. all I can be 100% self-sufficient via that source of energy. So I think sourcing a yeah, yeah, but sovereign dude, source of energy is incredibly important. Oh, 100%. Dude, I agree. Like, well, I agree a million percent. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm scared, dude, a little bit. I'm a little bit scared because right now we're in 2021 
we're in, we've just started Q4, right? I think they're going to be ramping shit up because it, it's this stakeholder capitalism, this great reset, the new world order, it's, it's just communism. That's all it is. And a lot of Bitcoiners, we're wealthy people. We don't really have to worry if energy prices get out of control, you know, if, if uh, we can't fly on commercial airlines, uh, you know, if, if, if travel is restricted because of petrol prices. But the difference is with Bitcoin is, is we care. Right now in the UK, we don't have any restrictions. There's no masks, not that I ever wore one. There's no masks, there's no lockdown. Uh, that you know we're open and we're free society uh, probably second only to Scandinavia which I think is is like a hundred percent like covid free completely open right but I'm still worried that at some point over this winter you can see it already they're manipulating and they're orchestrating these supply chain issues it's affecting the natural gas supplies it's affecting the uh, supply of, um, of gasoline to the petrol stations. Um, it's affecting the food supply chains. And if you look at America, the, all these shipping containers off the coast, that's gonna fuck shit up for fucking Walmart and your supermarkets. Unless you're buying direct from local farms, shit's gonna be fucked up for you when you go out and buy food for your family. And obviously all of these things that I just mentioned are gonna affect inflation. Right. So, as I said, I'm not massively worried about myself because I've taken the steps and the preparation to, uh, um, well, to prepare for, 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 for the worst outcome and ensure that my family survives. Right. But um, I think the more the moralism of Bitcoiners in this community is that we care, you know, we, I care, I have a feeling of discontent about the police brutality in Melbourne and Sydney, right? And that, that sets me to, uh, to a feeling of discontent every day, right? Because I know what happens if we don't stand up to this shit, right? And we, um, and, and, and we don't, get the police back on our side as people of the community and say we have to fight this this new world order this world government or this global reset or this great reset or this fucking weft klaus schwab fucking cabal of scum right then we will end up like china and what happened in china you got half a million muslim huijas put into concentration camps murdered their children re-indoctrinated to become CCP, communist Chinese citizens, they're Muslims, whatever you think about Islam, they want to express themselves and ex experience their lives as Muslim children with their parents. They've been separated from the parents and not a single country on earth has said a word about it. And that's where we're heading. If we allow it, we have to fight it. It doesn't matter if you're in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, or the UK, like I am. I'm living a free life. I'm living a great life. But I have a feeling of discontent because I see the tyranny that is a cloud, a black cloud coming over 
all of the free countries of the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rant, rant over. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think... Um, I mean, I think the unfortunate reality of the situation is that what you're going to end up seeing is pockets of freedom and pockets of tyranny. Uh, and I think you'll even see that within uh, the United States because the reality is... yeah. Unfortunately, there's a good percentage of the world population that doesn't want to be free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just yeah, don't totally. want it. They yeah. they like to be told what to do. They like to be they like that security blanket feeling that Big Brother is going to take care of them. Well, and they're complying. They're complying. Right. And I think a big part of that compliance is uh, the focus that has been taken off of being independent um you know and you can you can draw it back to something as simple as finances that we were talking about that they don't teach financials in school well yeah. they don't teach fine you know and, and the the thought basis on that will be well they don't teach financial financials in school but they don't need to teach financials in school because you can get a financial advisor and you can get uh you know, a per the bank will take care of your money for you. And the financial advisor will tell you where you should put your money to retire. Uh, you know, all these things. Don't worry about knowing how your mortgage works. A mortgage officer will take care of that for you. You can just hire a real estate lawyer that will look it all over for you. And then it's just this big web of like, just trust all these other people. Don't do any independent research or try to figure out anything on your own because that's just unnecessary. And that's such a slippery slope and such a dangerous place to put yourself because you're at the mercy of, you know, all it takes is one bad actor in that equation. And, you know, it can fuck your life up. Oh, for sure. But I think actually what, is um, interesting over the past 18 months, like when you talk about, okay, they don't teach you about uh, finances in school. Well, that's for a fucking reason because they don't want you to, um, well, like I said before, they want you to be a, a, a tax sheep, right? They want you to be tax cattle uh, from, from birth till death, right? But I think, um, what is interesting is how the it's the Wizard of Oz, um, a a veneer or charade or a facade of of control that that um, they actually do have over us, right? They they don't they don't have control over the masses, and I'm talking about governments here, and you know for sure. The governments are puppets, right? And they're, and they're bought and paid for by the elites. But what I'm talking about here is government control over the masses. And I think what we've seen over the last 18 months is um, if, you can, if you can cut through the, um, the noise, then you will see the signal, which is what caused the lockdowns? What caused people to uh, comply with the lockdowns? It was one video from China of people dropping dead in the street. Now we've all seen Contagion, the Matt Damon movie, 
where his wife drops dead in the kitchen. We nobody wants that. Nobody wanted that. Right? Absolutely. If you, had, if you hadn't seen that film, when COVID came out, you went on Netflix and you watched that film. It was the most watched film like the week after the global lockdowns. Nobody wants contagion. But we had this viral video of these motherfuckers in China dropping dead in this fucking street and being taken away by dudes in like full fucking nuclear reaction, like ET fucking, you know, bubble suits. But it was all fake, but it went viral. It's the ultimate propaganda. And th so then they get the lockdowns. We get the global, how do we lock down seven, eight billion people? It's just a video. It's a small video that goes viral, it's 30 seconds. Few people drop dead because we don't know if it's lethal or not. We don't know if this is gonna kill us all or not. Of course it's not gonna kill us because Bill Gates fucking with the event 201, they predicted all this shit. It's the Hegelian dialect. You uh, uh, create a problem, there's a reaction and then you offer the solution. Um, that's a, a, a basic um, reduction of the Hegelian dialect, which is the agenda, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis um, of, of, of manufacturing what your, um, uh, your motive is, right? So, um, of course, we all watched this and we thought, this is lethal as fuck. We're gonna all fucking die in our millions like contagion. Bill Gates knows he's not gonna die because it's not that lethal. But if you release a video like this, and then what do you want? You don't want people to protest. Okay, so we'll, we're gonna orchestrate a little video of a woman in Australia being, uh, the police come in her house and they arrest her and beat her up in her pajamas for a Facebook post saying, oh, let's go on a, a peace protest, right? And then that video goes viral. Was that real? I don't know. Maybe, but if it wasn't, it certainly served its purpose that people, it probably prevented people from posting protest videos, uh, protest uh, uh, posts on Facebook. And then you have the old lady arrested on the bench for not wearing a mask. Oh, we've got to wear our mask because look, old ladies are getting beaten up. And then you have the, the, the woman in Australia, she's in a playground with her two young children. She gets beaten up because she doesn't have a mask in a fucking playground with her two young children. And then she gets arrested. You know, what they can't do is they cannot police their tyrannical diktats on 7 billion people in America. What, you've got 335 million people. You do not have enough police to police the tyrannical diktats on all of those people. So what do you have to do? You have to make an example of a few small people, make that go viral, and then that becomes the narrative. Oh, this is what happens to you. It isn't what happens to you. It's what happened to that dude. But if we as well as as well as recruit people who are looking for a purpose. When you don't have the manpower, if you can create the image that you're a hero, if you report your neighbor, yeah, 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 yeah. then sure. your numbers are quintuple what they were yeah. before it started. Yeah. yeah, 
but it's like that meme where you've got the 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 plank you know where uh the masses are on the cliff and then the dictator is on the plank uh, at the end of the cliff but he's over the sea and 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 he says you know uh, he whips one guy and he says you know or he whips all of them and says you do what i say and they bow down and then one guy stands up and he whips him and he gets cut across his face and then the masses rise up and they walk off the plank and the plank supporting the dictator tip topples and it falls into the sea and that's the end of tyranny because that's all it takes Absolutely. And in australia, you know the men in australia we saw it with the um the the construction workers they rose up and they realized we're stronger than the police and you saw that Chad in that slow motion video, probably, I think you've seen it, where he just fucking ripped through those cunts and fucking knocked one of the motherfuckers out. The other one, like, you know, pulled him around by the neck, threw him down. It's just like one dude. And these, honestly, I've got a policeman kind of in my family and all they want is to bully people People think they're there to protect you. The police, they're fucking, they're cunts, man. They, they're bullies. This is why they sign up 99, maybe 95, maybe being generous 90% of the time somebody signs up to be a policeman is because they want to bully people. They want that authority to have the power to push someone around or to fucking beat someone down or to pull their gun on someone or to fucking put their hand, ch choke out a fucking woman. That's what the police, I think, 90, 95% of the time, that's why they sign up, because they're sadistic cunts. Yeah. So don't ever think they're there to serve and protect. They're not. They're fucking bullies. And I think the other five or the other 10% wants freedom. And the only way they think they yeah. can achieve that freedom is to be part of the system where they know that the unjust laws won't be applied to them because they are part of the system. Right, right, right. That's just how I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some good guys, man, and some good girls on the on the force. No, 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 no lying about that for sure. But I would say nine out of ten of the dudes, they're like they failed in the military or they failed in life, or they failed in any other field where now they feel, if I sign up to the police, I have immediate authority, I have power, I have um, uh, uh, the use of physical force if I need it or if I want it, or even if, even if uh, I don't need it, I can just use it anyway. So that's my feelings on the police. Um, but I'm happy to be proved wrong. And I, I think I have a friend who's a firefighter. Um, and he did a few tours in Afghanistan. Right. And um, even he says, he's like, dude, the police are so laughable. And he's a, he's a firefighter in a relatively large city. Okay. Um, and they had a situation maybe a month ago or something where uh, a rather well-known developer uh, in the area was eating 
So I don't know how much you know about Rhode Island, but Rhode Island has a long history with the mafia. No, nothing. I don't know anything. Okay, so Rhode Island has a long history with the Italian mafia. Okay. Um, so this guy who was a really known, really well-known developer was eating lunch in an Italian restaurant um, near the Capitol, and somebody walked in at lunchtime, shot him at the table. Okay. And um, the guy ended up, you know, the the cops got called and the fire the fire department got called and everybody shows up. The guy that shot him ended up running down an alleyway and shooting himself. Really? Um, but he was telling me, he's like, these cops have no idea. Like they, they have they have no idea how to like handle a live fire situation at all. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm literally instructing police, like, hey, you need to go here, you need to go here. This is what you need to watch. This is what you need to look out for. He's like, they're so blind, they're just walking in, they're sitting ducks. They have no idea what they're doing. Really? And I, I just thought it was so laughable to me because you know, you have all these Hollywood betrayals where yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the cops are like, you know, they know how to proceed. Yeah. And he's like, that's that's not the case at all. They have zero concept of how to handle a live fire situation. No, dude, they're not fucking military. It's the same in England, dude. They're all fucking pussies. They ha- they literally have, and I know, because in my 20s, I did eight or nine years of Krav Maga training, right? Which is hand-to-hand uh, close combat uh, martial arts, right? It's the Israeli Defense Force uh, martial arts training. Or is, is- yep. It's not much. It's close combat, uh, um, hand-to-hand combat. Uh, and it's extremely effective. Ask me how I know. <laughs> um, but in the police force, so I trained with this guy, Mo Teague. You can look him up, Mo Teague. Um, and he developed a hand-to-hand combat situation. was more um, of a lethal military hand-to-hand combat situation. So I trained under him for about a year. Um, and he said he was called in to the police, uh, the Metropolitan Police, which is in, uh, that's the London Police Force. Um, and they give three hours of hand-to-hand combat training. To the, and this is not Krav Maga, this was Mo Teague saying he had been drafted in to do an a independent consultancy to the Met Police Force. Um, they get three hours. That's it. <laughs> that's it that they get three hours that's it and if honestly dude if you look at um these videos coming out of melbourne they've all got their fucking plexiglass shields and their fucking truncheons and their uh capsicum pepper sprays and their fucking rubber bullets man fuck these guys dude if if the men rise up in australia and they understand or they realize there's a point of realization where there is not enough police men to enforce the law on the population they will overcome them and at the point where they overcome them they will take their weapons at that point it all collapses and this will this will and can happen it happened in france it happened in 1776 in america it happened in 1895 in france of the french revolution these things happen the elites think they can't happen because they think we're armed and we have the military and we have the police it's not 
as fucking strong. It's not as strong a protection as you think it is, Mr. Elite Parasite. It isn't because we outnumber you. In England, we have 576 members of parliament. We have 30 odd thousand members of the Metropolitan Police Department. We have 57 million citizens. Do the fucking <laughs> maths. Tell me who's going to win that fucking war once everybody rises up. But the problem is not everybody is awake now. Right. That's the problem. No, not everybody is awake. And they won't be. They Look at America. It's so divided. Red and blue, left and right. You know, black and white. It's so oh, divided. And that's the old Roman tactic of divide and conquer. It's a war tactic. Everything you experience on the, new, on the mainstream media in America is to divide and conquer you as people, or it's to divide you as people so they can conquer you. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's uh, to create a paradigm of you versus another sublet of the general population while not paying any attention to the people who are pulling the strings. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same shit happening now. My wife said to me, oh, we need to get petrol for our car. I was like, darling, this, it's, it's not real. This is, this is made up shit. And you know why they target petrol? Right now in the UK, I don't, you probably don't have a petrol crisis, uh, a gasoline crisis in America. But right now we have a gasoline crisis in, in the UK. And the reason for that is the same shit as when they, in March last year, they had the toilet paper crisis. Oh, toilet paper sold out in the whole country. Everybody has to run to the supermarket. And what happens when, when 57 million people run to the supermarket to buy toilet paper? They don't notice that you're passing the Coronavirus Security Act. They don't notice that you're printing several billion pounds in quantitative easing. So they Not only that, you're it. causing the population to create their own shortage. They if you tell everybody there's a gas shortage and they run out and every single person buys it 10 is. gallons of gasoline. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy, of course. But that, that uh, crisis... You had, people, you had people in the United States, I don't know if you saw these videos, you had people in the United States last year, they talked about a gas shortage. You had people in the United States trying to fill plastic grocery bags. Yeah with gasoline yeah i saw it i saw it dude and filling up kiddie pools in the beds of their pickup truck with <laughs> gasoline oh god dude but the thing is right this is your your pride you're you're preying on people's survival instincts and a lot of these people have uh for better or for worse a low low iq and if you prey on the survival instinct which is you won't be able to wipe your ass when you take a shit you won't be able to feed your family when you come home and you won't be able to fill up your car with fuel. Those are basic survival instincts, which a, an ordinary person is going to say, that is more important to me than the government printing $3.5 trillion. I don't care about that. Nancy Pelosi, she can print that money. Uh, and Jay Powell, he can go, brr, brr, right? I don't care. I want to wipe my ass and they know this and that's why they create manufacture these crises 
but it yeah, goes a lot deeper dude it goes a lot deeper and and if you you you, you if you look at into all this stuff that we've been lied about you suddenly realize that all these floods it, it the the weather tech that they've been developing through harp and uh all these systems this is what's responsible for these crazy floods and what is the and, and it's again the hegelian dialect of uh problem reaction solution suddenly have all these crazy flooding and this crazy climate crisis shit going on all around the world and the and the bushfires the bushfires are all controlled then we can offer the solution which is these climate emergency green taxes these carbon zero carbon neutral taxes you know uh, net zero 2030 and all, all this shit and we'll take loads more of your money uh, uh, as 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 a result of this, of these, as well as wealth wealth taxes, the wealth taxes, this, yeah. yeah, this so unrealized. That, that, that's what I was saying earlier. Is is I'm scared to make my citadel now. I want I I, I want to sit tight here uh, on my stack, on my Bitcoin stack, because you've got like the, the opposition leader here in the UK, like Keir Starmer who's the leader of the Labour Party, they're not in power, but the Conservatives in power, this fucking clown Boris Johnson is our leader. But the opposition is saying, if I get in power, I'm going to do a wealth tax. Okay, which is exactly what um, uh, Janet Yellen is saying now is we're going to tax unrealized gains, mark to market. Um, he's saying we're going to do a mansion tax. So if you've got a house that's worth over like a million pounds, are we going to tax that at a certain rate? And then they're going to come after the fucking Bitcoiners, dude. They're going to wipe out the shitcoiners. They're going to be eradicated. They're just going to be fucking wrecked. But the Bitcoiners, they can't get to them. So they're going to come after them through the KYC channels. If you've ever bought Bitcoin KYC, they're coming after you that way. To, if, if they ever manage to pass through these... Uh, um, unrealized gains uh, uh, taxes. I think the wealthy elites of of America and and and, and Europe they'll they'll. Uh, I don't think it'll be possible. And I've seen a, a lot of people on Twitter saying it won't be possible. So maybe it's fud. I don't know. Maybe it's fud to get us to sell our assets and. But the problem, the, the, so the problem with the idea, and I've heard this before, that when, you know, if this gets passed, they won't pass it through because if they pass it through, then all these wealthy people in the United States will just move somewhere that's yeah. more friendly. Yeah. Those fucking people aren't going to move. They're just going to do what they've always done. And they're going to have shell companies that are not based in the United States that all of their business runs through. So they circumvent this tax. These people yeah. are not stupid. These people don't have this money because because yeah. Janet Yellen can have her fucking period and decide she's going to pass some bill that's going to fuck up their wealth. Yeah. And they have the power and the money to be able to do things and move money in places that other people cannot. Yeah, it's, and it's always been that way, for sure. So I think you're going to see if something like that comes to pass, you'll see a lot of wealthy people with dual citizenships and a lot of wealthy people. You know, I have friends. I have a friend that owns a shipping company 
um, okay. like inter- international shipping. Yeah. And, and he's from Cape Verde originally. Okay. And his entire company is based in Cape Verde. He lives here with his family and he takes some bullshit salary, but all of his money is in a bank in Cape Verde because he's like, I worked, me and my family have worked our entire lives to build this company. Yeah. And if I had all that money in the United States, I die tomorrow, my kids lose half of that to the government. He's yeah. like, if I have all that in the bank in Cape Verde and I die tomorrow, my kids get all that money. Yeah. So I mean, these that's... people that have these massive amounts of wealth, I mean, he's not incredibly wealthy, but he's somewhere probably between a million and 10 million in net worth. Like he doesn't keep that money here. His money isn't in Bank of America. His money isn't in Santander. His money is somewhere where he believes it'll be safe. Yeah. I mean, dude, like honestly, the, the one of the wealthiest friends I have, he's worth about 50 million. And I know it's very different with the IRS is incredibly um, intrusive of American citizens, but in, in the UK, it's less so, I would say. And, and, and this friend of mine, he's worth about 50 million. And, and, and he said to me, look, I stay away from the tax office as much as I possibly can. And that's actually, well, without him even saying that to me a few years ago, it's been my uh, ethos for the past 25 years. And, and I have another friend who's American. I'm not gonna name names, but his grandfather ran for president and he's worth, my friend's worth about $4 billion, right? And this guy, you meet him, it's, he's very Ivy League, very Ivy League, um, but he's never touched a dollar bill. Like this guy's 30 years old, he's never touched money in his life because everywhere he goes, everything, all it needs is a signature. All it needs, it doesn't even need a signature, it just needs the surname. And everything is settled. Yes. Yes. Um, I have a friend actually in the next town over from where I live. Um, Her and her sister, they're significantly older than I am, but her and her sister, their father was the largest real estate mogul. uh, I know at least probably on the East Coast um maybe 70 years ago yeah and they're the same way neither one of them have ever touched money they just know yeah. e- each month they have x amount of money that they can spend yeah yeah they live in the biggest house right on the ocean it's literally a granite mansion with it's got to be i don't know 20,000 square feet and it was just given to them. they have a bowling alley in their fucking basement yeah like they, this is just the way they are. And they were the same way. You know, she used to, she, uh, she dated my dad when I was an early in my early teens. Right. And, uh, which I don't know why the fuck she did that, but, uh, <laughs> she used to just have these extravagant parties at her house and she was super like down to earth and normal, but like, she just, money wasn't something that like meant anything to her yeah yeah yeah. it's not it's i don't think it's part of your um i don't think it's part of your day-to-day consciousness if that makes sense like um you and i 
Look, I, I mean, look, I fucking told you earlier, dude. It's like I rinse my bank account every month when I get my paycheck. And I, you know, do my best to fuck my energy provider and my bank and all my bills in the ass because I want to make them wait for their payment so that I can have a little bit, tiny percent more sets every month. So I fuck them over by withholding payment and the same thing, you know, okay, I'm buying nice wine and nice steak for my family and, you know, I've got a nice home, but um, everything really on my day-to-day financial basis you know it's calculated and and but the billionaires they don't have to think about it they just don't it's you never have to think about it. if you're a billionaire you never have to think about money i forget what it what the statistic was but i believe it was something like uh it came out around the time i know it's not anymore but when elon passed jeff bezos as the richest man in the world yeah 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 um yeah last year yeah it came out something like a billion dollars. Uh, Elon could spend $35,000 a day from the day he was born to the day he was 70. And he'd still have something like $130 million left over. Right. <laughs> and when you like, you know, I was reading, um, have you read Gigi's book? Uh, I think it's 21 questions or 21 yeah, lessons. I'm literally so he, I'm literally looking at it right now because it sits on my desk next to my computer. Yeah, it's great. So, so he talks about it in there that like when you start getting into numbers that you don't deal with regularly, when you start talking about um, even like hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars and now trillions of dollars, yeah, your mind can't really wrap around what that number means. Uh, at least the average person's mind can't really wrap around what a billion dollars means. Mm. So when you take it and you put it in the, like look at it through the lens of 30 something thousand dollars a day for 70 years and still have a hundred million dollars left over, Mm. then your brain can start to put together like, Holy fuck. That is such a massive amount of wealth. Like he could spend the average income of a person the average yearly income of a person in a day. Yeah, I mean, there, there was not like, be broke. Uh, there was like a, a website which was a um, kind of like a money tracker of of how much Jeff Bezos had made over COVID. Um, I don't know if I ever find it, I'll send it to you. But it was quite interesting because it it was like in in the trillions, right? And it started off as. Um, the average person's salary, you know, as you say, it was like 30,000 bucks. And then it went up to, um, you know, uh, cu- curing uh, homelessness in the, U- in the USA. And it was all done in blocks. So it was like the blocks just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was like an animated timeline. Um, and then it, when it eventually got to like curing world hunger, it was like huge. It was like massive. But then the final animation was like uh, Jeff Bezos's net worth. And it just went on forever and ever and ever. It was crazy. It's like you watch that animation. It's like a really simple animation of just blocks. Um, yeah, that, that was crazy. 
that was a crazy illustration. I think it's so important to to uh, to like illustrate it in a way like that for the average person because again, people you can't fathom a number that large. Um, even things that we've been taught through inflation shouldn't be considered a large number. Like, uh, you know, you've dealt with finances quite a bit in your life. I mean, the first time you see $10,000 or $50,000 in 20, $20 bills is it puts a new perspective on that amount of money. You're like, Oh, 50 grand. I could buy an F one fifty. But then when you have $50,000 and $20 bills in front of you, you're like, holy fuck, this is a lot of money. Like you don't equate it to being a lot of money because society wants you to feel like it's not a lot of money. Yeah. But it's an ass load of fucking money when you start. And you know, that's one of my favorite (laughs) way off topic, but one of my favorite pastimes is like destroying (laughs) movies as I watch them. (laughs) Um, like I'm a I'm a big time firearms enthusiast. Yeah. So uh, you know, like hiding behind car doors and bullets sparking. Uh, yeah. Like all my favorite. Do you like heat? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking great shit at in that. Huh? So that and like counting rounds when people are shooting. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm counting rounds as they're shooting and they haven't reloaded. Um. <laughs> Dude, if I was a fucking American. I well, first of all, I probably would live in New England like you, but I would have been stacking fucking guns since I was 18 years old, dude. I don't know what's the age. How can you buy a gun? Is 16, 18, or 21? Depends on the state you live in. Right. Yeah. I would have, dude, my teenage years would, it was just Goodfellas, Godfather, Cape Fear, Taxi Driver. Fucking, <laughs> it was, you know, or it was even before the fucking Sopranos came out, man. Uh, honestly, if I had a, uh, I saw the new one last night. By the way, have you seen it yet? Oh, did you? No, no, dude, I want to see that. I, I, and and I was contemplating: should I watch Sopranos or Bond? And then I've seen Bond. They fucking killed him. Gave his 007 status to a black lesbian, and uh, like, shocker. Fuck, man! Like, why? Why do that? just pathetic anyway so i'm not gonna watch that i'm gonna watch sopranos <laughs> again on a pl- completely fucking unrelated topic have you watched c yet which it's called c i don't know what that is okay so it's c like the aquaman dude yeah yeah, yeah 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 i've seen it i've seen it sorry sorry dude yeah i've seen it it's good it's good i think that's fantastic fantastic i just started watching the second season it comes out every friday now a new episode and okay yeah yeah yeah. i watched the first season yeah it's, it's good man it's good i like it i like it i think that's a lot that like that's what i see is the if it if the world really fucking burns like that's the dynamic you'll see is you'll see city states you'll see people just deciding to be subservient because but I mean, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But yeah, great, fantastic. Also saw um, The Many Saints in Newark yesterday. Uh, locked, my tree, locked my keys in my truck at the movie theater. That was fun. Is it good? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was good too. It was kind of slow, but it was, it was in true Soprano style. It was really good. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm anyway, gonna... I think we've been talking for like fucking two yeah. hours. No, I so. love this dude. I love this. Because you know what? I can't talk about all this shit with anyone else in person. Like, you know, I've got great family, great friends, but Bitcoin, as I found, is the only circle or community that I'm part of the where I can talk about economics like this and, and hyper-Bitcoinization and fucking conspiracy theories and COVID and fucking, you know, all this shit and not be called a fucking retard or a conspiracy theorist. So I love it, man. It's great. I love it too, brother. I appreciate your time, Harsky, and uh, I'm pretty sure the people looking forward to this should drop later on tonight for my time, so tomorrow for you. Yeah, drop this shit, brother. Don't uh, cut. Are you going to cut out that weird beginning where you... Uh... No, fuck no. <laughs> Nothing gets cut out. <laughs> Fucking Rita. <All> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll catch you on Twitter, brother. Thank you, dude. I enjoyed it. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Absolutely. Cheers. All right. Adios.